0: Good morning. This morning's reading is Acts 21, verses 27 through 36. Paul rested in the temple. When the seven days were almost completed, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man who is teaching everyone everywhere against the people and the law and this place. Moreover, he even brought... that all Jerusalem was in confusion. He at once took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the tribune and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Then the tribune came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. He inquired who he was and what he had done. Some in the crowd were shouting one thing, some another. And as he could not learn the facts because of the uproar he ordered him to be brought into the barracks and when he came to the steps he was actually carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the crowd for the mob of the people followed crying out away with him this is the word of the lord please be seated
1: all right thank you Dee. good morning it's, uh, it's great to see you all here this morning. My name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson, and it's, uh, it's great to see you all here. As has been said, um, if you're new or you've been gone for a while again, welcome, and we're, we're glad to, uh, to have you all here, and this is kind of the official transition out of summer. If you're new to Tucson, don't be fooled. The Temperature transition won't be for about two or three more months, but uh, but as we kind of get back into school and things like that, we enter into our fall flow. Um, Again, if you're new or you've never heard me preach before, just a uh, a a heads up. I have a speech impediment, so I want to make sure that you know what that is, and you're not trying to figure it out as we go along. And. um, We're going to continue in our time in Acts. We've been in Acts for the majority of this year and it's been a a great season of of being formed and shaped uh, by God's word. And even as I was preparing this, this mo- morning I was reminded of a phrase that we like to say sometimes here is that um, God is really about uh, transformation rather than information. And often we just come and we kind of think, oh, I'm going to open up my brain and kind of download a bunch of information. If I know all the right stuff, then I'm good. And I just kind of go on with that. But but God is committed to to, to transforming a a people, to forming us into his image. And so what we've seen throughout Acts as we've gone through it is is the works of God. Okay, that's what Acts means is works. It's the works of God on display as he's forming and shaping and commissioning a people who will be defined by the gospel. Okay, that's a churchy word, right? What does that mean? Okay, the gospel is the good news. It's the good news that God is reconciling all things to himself, that he's calling a people who will bear his image, right, as we just heard about, and who will reflect him and worship him in all of life, and that our identity and our purpose would be restored to him, and then that would be lived out in our everyday lives, in all of life, right? And so what we see this morning is, again, just like we did in the All of Life interview, is that God doesn't shy away from tension, okay, from difficulty, and I don't know about you, any of you guys that, per, or, and gals and you know, whomever that may have watched the, the fight, right, the money fight last night. Well, like, you know, you kind of read a section like we just read and you kind of get in that, man, okay, Paul gets beat up and all this stuff. Like, what would I do? What would I do in this moment? And this is an opportunity to see, really, what does it look like as a follower of Jesus in all different circumstances in life. And so what we see specifically right now is that followers of Christ, specifically we see Paul, that when given the opportunity, creatively and boldly share the gospel. That when you're so captivated by Jesus, who he is, what he's done, again, the gospel, the life, death, resurrection, ascension, rule and promised return of Jesus, the fullness of the gospel, that when you are, 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 are shaped by him, when you respond to him in faith, and you can do no other but to creatively and boldly share that with others. So with that, let's go ahead and get into our time together. So turn with me to Acts chapter 21. We're going to uh, cover a bunch of 21 and then most of 22. So we got a big chunk together to cover, so again, turn with me there if you have a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, would you hold your hand up and keep it up, okay? Hold it up high and keep it up, and somebody will get you a Bible. And if you don't own a Bible, you do now, okay? This is our gift to you. Y si quieres la Biblia en español y no tienes, por favor levanta su mano y diga español. Y si no tienes una Biblia, eso es un regalo a usted, y Esta mañana estamos en Hechos, capítulo 21 y 22. Okay, so again, we're in Acts 21 and 22. Keep your hand up high and somebody will get you one. And again, if you don't own one, keep this, okay? We want to make sure everyone has a copy of God's Word that can uh, shape you and, and that He will use to transform you as His follower. Amen? All right, if you're new, again, I say amen to make sure you're tracking with me. So, uh, so amen? amen? All right, with that, let's pray together as we get into our time in God's word. Again, Heavenly Father, thank you that you're good. Thank you that you're committed to us for the long haul. And so even now, I pray that we will settle in. I know that we're all coming from different places. Lord, different questions, different difficulties, different difficulties. Uh, Lord, different different decisions, and even as we just heard and, and as we prepare and continue on in our time of worship, we embrace the reality that there are tensions in our life. And so we pray that you will use your word to speak clearly. Lord, enable us to hear your voice clearly, to respond in worship in our hearts, in our minds, in our thoughts, in our words, in our actions, in everything that we do. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so pick up with me in Acts chapter 21, verse 17, as we continue on here. So Paul and this group of people, including the author here, Luke, have been traveling all throughout the world, and they left from Jerusalem... And they went out, and the gospel was going forward, and then kind of a, a launching ground from what is modern day Syria and then Turkey and all over the place, seeing gospel movements started and the good news of Jesus going forward. And then they circle back around and they come into Jerusalem. And if you remember the last couple of weeks, there was this, a harsh warning. It was like, don't go to Jerusalem. It's not going to go well for you, Paul. You're going to get beat up, right? We just heard. That's indeed what happens, that he continues with with an intentionality, and that's what we see here in verse 17, as they arrive in Jerusalem. "'When we had come to Jerusalem, the brothers received us gladly. On the following day, Paul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present.' And they think that was likely like 70 elders that was m- modeled after the Jewish Sanhedrin, this kind of ruling council. So this is a big group of people, okay? It's not just a couple folks hanging out. Okay, this is, a, this, is a, this is a big orderly event. And it says, after greeting them, he related one by one the things that God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. So he's sharing these significant things. Again, if you've been with us for a uh, while, and even if not, let me just catch you up to speed, is God's been doing crazy stuff, right? Like a dude fell out of a window and then was raised from the dead. Like he, he 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 hit the ground from the third story, and then Paul went down and he prayed with him, and he he woke up. That was just a couple of chapters ago, or just like a chapter ago, and all these incredible things have been happening, and, and, and thousands of people have been putting their faith in Jesus, and this has included the Gentiles, okay? Because hear me, okay, look at me. God's plan has, always been, from the very beginning, you see him making a promise that he will establish a name. You see this in Genesis chapter 12. This is helpful context, case so we understand what's going on here. And again, this, 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 this tension that we see, God's promise has been that he would establish one name through whom the entire world, not just one group, not just one culture, not just one language, not just one race, the entire world would be blessed. And now these promises are being fulfilled, and Paul here is believing those promises, and yet he's coming back home, back to Jerusalem, and people are excited. They're like, man, these cool things are going on. But they're also looking at him through a really skeptical eye. They're like, we've, we've, we've heard some things. These, these Gentiles, okay, non-Jewish people, are coming to faith in Jesus, and we're not sure how we feel about it. And so James and all these elders, they share with him something. They're like, um, verse 20 says, when they heard it, they glorified God. And they said to him, you see, brother, how many thousands there are among the Jews of those who have believed. They are all zealous for the law. And that's a transition point that we would miss if we don't kind of slow down and hunker in here is they're not just saying, hey, that's great, but they're saying, okay, Gentiles, Paul, we've heard you're kind of obsessed with these Gentiles right now. Um, so we're going to kind of just give you a little bit of context here for where we are, right? Like you're, you're back here in Jerusalem and we're kind of all about Judaism. And these people are really zealous for the law. And what most theologians agree, and as you really press in, what that's saying when it says they are all zealous for the law is like saying they're all about the gospel, okay? That you get saved by placing your faith in Jesus, and perhaps that's new language for some here, and perhaps for others you've heard that, right? And just like a lot of us in our day today, they think that the gospel is just like the, the, the first few steps, right? Like you put your faith in Jesus and then you're good. And then you've got to work really hard to keep God being happy with you. Okay, so God forgives you and accepts you by placing your faith in Jesus, undeserved favor, grace, right, which we've just sung about a ton. But then you've got to be really zealous for the law. In their day, that was what was being said here. And so there's this warning here of, you know, you've, you've got to, you've got to um, you, you have to do all the right things, you have to observe all these things. And Paul, we heard that sometimes you tell people they don't have to observe the law in the same way. And they, it goes on and they say things like, we've heard that you've told people that they don't have to be circumcised and they don't have to do this and they don't have to do that. And Paul would, 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 would give a resounding yes. I have said that. Okay, but there's a tension here because as he's come back to Jerusalem, again, his hometown, right? Like he, right? Like some athletes, you see this, right? Like he didn't forget where he's from. Okay, he's coming back to Jerusalem. He has a heart for these people and there's a tension because his own people like James, these other elders, the religious people are saying, don't forget where you are right now. You're in a really religious place. And there are a couple of verses that I want to read to help us see this tension point as Paul has come home to share the gospel one place, like in Galatians chapter 1, for example, where, where, where again, where, where Paul would be thinking through this, and he would be saying, um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't want to compromise the gospel. Okay, hear me right now. Okay, lo- look at me. It's, th- th- this, is, this is truth, that to add or take away from the good news of Jesus is to replace the gospel. Okay, to add to the gospel or to take away from the gospel is to replace the gospel, Amen? And so, and so there's this place where Paul would agree with that. In fact, in Galatians chapter 1, it, he, he says this. This is the words of Paul as he wrote to the Galatian church. He says, as we have said before, so I, so I now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Okay, he would would say, yeah, do not compromise the gospel, the gospel that by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. If anyone preaches anything other than that, adds to it, takes away from it, let that person be accursed. It's it's completely wrong. It's not, well, yeah, I kind of agree with Jesus over here, this whole thing, but I, I like to add this, or I like to remove this. Okay, Paul and all throughout the New Testament, you see him giving a resounding, adamant, no. You, you, it's by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. You can't compromise the gospel. And yet, you see also this compulsion, this awareness that, that the, the unchanging truths of the gospel, that God's plan has been for that to break into ever-changing, consistently changing culture. Okay, so again, you've got this unchanging gospel, but consistently changing culture. And so again, there's a tension point in you. And this is a little bit of a longer passage, but to help us again understand what's going on here in this tension that God doesn't shy away from bringing us into, you see here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, another place where Paul has said, again with his own words, his heart for sharing this gospel with others. that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means, I might save some. So there's this desire to creatively share the gospel with all people. Okay, I don't know all of our backgrounds here, but certain things came to mind for me. Um, I, uh, Went to a church in the south and now, and God used that to shape me in a just profound ways. But certain things that I picked up looking back now was all these other things that were there. Like, man, I remember having pointed conversations. Like, if you have, if you're a man and you have an earring or long hair or, you know, tattoos, or let's not even get to what we heard this morning, you know, a bombardment. Tender, right, working in the bar, or and it would go even as far as like if you don't wear a tie and a shirt and a coat and these things, then something's wrong with you. Then then you're not faithfully following Jesus. And there would be these 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 things. And I remember though talking with someone more mature that would say, yeah, that's not. Those are adding to the law. And so this one guy that I knew in. Per- someone that really mentored me talking about how he did wear a shirt and a tie and a coat and all, and he kept his hair short and all these things because he talked about, yeah, I, I want to be able to, to have an audience with these people. Okay, I want to break into them. And then, you know, and you could just, whatever comes into mind, right? Different context of, of kind of faithfully being present there. But there's a tension point. Like some of you guys that know me well enough know that I, that doesn't sit very well with me. Like, and one guy, um, at D.A., Carson. Some of you may have heard of. He's a theologian from Canada. And because, again, we talked about it this morning, and um, if you came in later, you missed the All of Life interview, I, I encourage you to go back and to hear it. We'll have it online. He's specifically talking about alcohol. And he says, listen, if I'm in a context where someone is, 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 is prone to alcoholism or where my freedom to drink would ever cause someone else to stumble, I will stand firm and proclaim I'll never drink again. He says, I'll give up my freedom, right? Like we just read in First Corinthians 9. I'm, I'm going to give that up. I don't want to cause anyone to stumble. But then he goes on and he says, if I'm in another context and someone thinks that by abstaining from alcohol, you have a higher level of acceptance before God, or by abstaining from alcohol, you're somehow more, holly, more holy, not holy. then he says, I will stand up and, de- and declare, please pass me a pint, okay? And so he, he's, and this is this really well-respected theologian in his late 60s, early 70s, and, he's, and so he's got a little bit of that tension going on too, right? Like, what do I do here? And that's what Paul is struggling with. He comes home to Jerusalem, and then in these next verses, again, we've got a lot to cover. I'm not going to read all of it, but they, they say this, picking up in verse 23. They say, so we've got these people really zealous for the law, and they've heard that you're doing some shady stuff with these Gentiles. And then they say, so do what we tell you. We have four men who are under a vow, and that's a Nazarite vow says, take these men and purify yourself along with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads. Thus all will know that there is nothing in what they have been told about you, but that you yourself also live in observance of the law. And let let's be clear here. Paul is not opposed to this kind of vow. He is Jewish, as we'll learn more. Okay, he's from Jerusalem. He's taken Nazarite vows before. Okay, he shaved his head and done all this whole deal. I don't need to get into all that, but that was, this was something that good, law-observing Jewish people, those, those who put their faith in Jesus and those who are culturally Jewish, this is something that they did. And Paul, because he's Jewish, Jesus, because he was Jewish, okay, people observed these, these oaths, these laws. And so Paul's not opposed to it. But what's happening here would be the equivalent of saying, okay, what I just talked about earlier, not just, hey, wear a coat and a tie Okay, to, to try to relate with this particular cultural context. But have a bumper sticker that implies that you think you have to wear a coat and a tie. Okay, like, like, like put your Facebook posts and say things and carry yourself to look differently in order to appease these people's l- like l- l- legalistic leanings. L's are hard for me and I just threw like three together. Okay, that was a miracle right there. Okay, so, okay, I had to lighten the mood a little bit. Okay, so, so there's, this, there's this, this, this tension point that Paul's in, because here, here it is. They want him to look more religiously scrupulous than he really is. And so Paul's in this tension point. What do I do here? What do I do with this? And what he ends up doing, as we'll see, is he, he, cont- he agrees to take this vow, and there have been all kinds of disagreement and conversations about this man. Did he cave under pressure? Did he did he did he do the right thing? Should he have just you know stood up and said, "No way, I'm not doing that again." You know, kind of the equivalent, like pass me a beer and take off the tie and throw off my coat, like I'm not doing that. Well, I, what he ends up doing, and I, I believe was Paul was not a perfect person, but he was a faithful person, and and I do believe that in this moment he he did the right thing. He was depending on the Spirit, and he said, okay, I'll go ahead and take this vow, because I want to more creatively and effectively share the gospel in this context where I am. But it all ends up, in a sense, kind of being for naught because as we end up seeing in this whole next section and even what we just read in our scripture reading, verses 25 through 36, okay, I'm not gonna read all that, we just did. Again, we've got a ton to cover, but in verses, um, again, right there in that, that whole huge section ver- in Acts chapter 21, verses, 20, um, verses 25 through 36, it talks about how Paul goes in there, he's done this vow, he's in the temple, and people falsely accuse him. Okay, he's trying to effectively share his faith there. He's trying to effectively live out the gospel, right? His faith in Jesus, and he's there, and he's doing all the right thing. And he's brought a couple of Gentiles with him, and people put two and two together. They falsely accuse him, and they say, hey, you brought all these Gentiles into the temple with you. You're in big trouble. And they get worked up, and they jump him. And this is religious people. Okay, let's not miss who this is. He's been in all kinds of crazy places. He's been jumped before, okay? This isn't his first, kind of his first trip around the block. You know, Paul's been beaten up before. He's been all over the place before. Again, he got warned, don't go to Jerusalem. You might get beat up there. And he's like, that's okay. My whole, my whole life's purpose is to, is to share my faith, is to reveal what God has done in my life and to simply share that with others. And he goes back to these religious people, Perhaps even in here, you might think, "Oh, that's a safe place, right? Religious people are safer people. Religious people see clearly, right? Religious people are woke. You know, I don't know what your vernacular. You know, religious people get it, and and that's not true." In fact, let's learn from this. this um, there's a quote I wanna share with you by a theologian and, and a really helpful scholar, Leslie Newbegin, who's a reformed messiologist. Essentially what we talk about, all of life is all for Jesus. That's this idea of right, living, all, living your faith out in every facet of life. And this is what Leslie Newbegin says. He says, here is the terrible paradox of human existence is seen in its most piercing reality. Religion, in its purest and loftiest form, is found to belong to the area of darkness. Not those who are blind, but those who confidently say, we see, are found to be in the realm of darkness. Okay, again, this is religious people, and we can think of our day, okay? This isn't just, oh, back then, first century Jewish people, they're crazy, you know, they've got, you know, curly pews on the side of their head and wear these hats and all these different things. They're weird. We're like, again, I just shared with you some of my own background, okay? Some of us maybe could think even in our very present, current climate, sometimes the religious people that say, oh, I've got it all figured out, I do all the right things, I say all the right things, well, God's warning is, is sometimes those are the first people who miss it. Okay, that, that, that when you're blind and you can't see, you know that. And you say, I, I, how can I see? I need to be, I need to have my eyes open. This, this quote is from John chapter 9 where Jesus talks about specifically spiritual blindness. And, and again, he gives this warning and says, the most dangerous place to be is to think you see, but you actually don't. Okay, the most dangerous place to be is to have such a religious posture. Okay, hear me. Uh, again, as any of you who are new here or, are, or, or perhaps you're even trying to figure out the faith and you're new to Christianity and you're thinking, okay, God's going God's to gonna zap me if I don't get these couple of things right. Th- that's not the message of the gospel. Okay, that's not God's grace. It's saying he I've got to observe the law and do this. Or as as one guy said, the gospel, okay, we've been hammering that home, is not the ABCs, but the A to Z. It's the whole story. Or another perhaps word picture is like this: that sometimes we think, oh, yeah, I just get started with God's grace, but then I've got to do all these things. I've got to take it from there. And it's a it's a picture if you can picture with me like the hub of a m- m- wheel is the gospel okay the good news of jesus that we've been talking about so uh, so much this morning right that god's undeserved favor and restored identity and purpose through through, through 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 placing your faith in jesus that his life and his death on the cross and his victorious resurrection is sufficient it's like the hub of a wheel. If you take that away, the whole thing collapses on itself. Okay, you never get started by God's grace and then say, I've gotta be, I've, I've got be religiously zealous, right? What's the word there in verse 20 that they did, right? They, they had to stick to the law. They were, it says, um, there are many among us who are zealous for the law. Heed this warning this morning I didn't mean to rhyme right there. <laughs> okay, but seriously, like, take this, take this really seriously, that, that if you in any way think that you get away from God's grace, that the gospel gets watered down or added to or replaced or taken away, and then you've got to just kind of take it from here, that God gets it started and then says, okay, good luck. Okay, that's to completely remove the gospel. And that's dangerous. That's blindness. And so here Paul is, right? He's trying to creatively share his faith and yet he still gets jumped. This whole scenario happens. He's being faithful and then he gets drug out. And then, right, we saw this whole circumstance that goes on that whole next, next section there. He's, he's getting beaten up and then the, the Romans come in and they, they enter into it. And then, and then look in verse 37 through 40 what happens. Okay, Paul's, Paul just got beat up Okay, he's trying to creatively share his faith. It didn't go so well, right? He shaved his head, he did this whole vow, he's and then he's 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 there, he's committed, he's emboldened, he's passionate, and and it didn't work. He just got unjustly treated, and he's getting drug out. And then look what he says in verses um, thirty-seven through forty. He, he, he wants to, to share with them. It says, as Paul was about to be brought into the barracks, he said to the tribune, may I say something to you? And then this whole exchange goes on. They're like, oh, you know Greek, and we th- thought you were someone else. Again, he keeps getting falsely accused and all this stuff, and he doesn't even go there. He's not like, no, 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 I'm not this Egyptian. And he goes on, And then it, and then it picks up here. And he says in, uh, in verse 39, he says, I beg you, permit me to speak to the people. There's a humility here. There's a laser-focused reality that who Paul is, by placing his faith in Jesus, informs everything about how he lives his life. Is that true for you? Is that true for us? Okay, I, Now, hear me right now, okay, Please. Okay, are you tracking with me? I want to make sure that you don't what I just said. That that question I just asked isn't weighing on you like a religious rule. Okay, are you doing everything Is your faith defining your life? Or you know, if not, then you need to shape up or ship out, and you know all this stuff. Like okay, because that's how we tend to hear this. But no, what this means is that Paul is so secure in God's sovereignty and God's authority that those aren't just theological platitudes. Those are life-shaping truths that faced in this moment of, of, of persecution, of difficulty. Paul says, I, I, I came here to say something. Would you permit me to say it? And in, in, in chapter 22 now, verse 1, as he goes on, he begins to share. Okay? He has an opportunity to address the crowd. Now, again, let me ask you a question. Okay, you just got beat up. You just got unjustly accused. Again, for those of us who perhaps watched a you know, fight last night, like we're thinking along those lines like, man, like, w- what would I do? You know, what, I'm more aware right now of like, man, if I just got you know, jumped unjustly accused and, and drug out of a place and then I had an opportunity to talk to my you know, offenders, what would I say? What would you say? It would probably not be the way Paul went about it, with humility and clarity and boldness and conviction, right? He doesn't defend himself. He doesn't say, you idiots, I'm Jewish. I'm more Jewish than most of you. I'm a Roman citizen. He doesn't put him on blast and say, how could you do this to me and all this stuff? He seizes this opportunity to boldly and clearly proclaim the gospel, Okay, and look here. Pick up with me now in verse 1 of chapter 22 as Paul boldly shares the gospel because he's been so captivated by it, so defined by Jesus. He says this, Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. And then in verse 2, When they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. And then he went on and said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city in Jerusalem, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are this day. He goes on and shares that before he came to faith in Jesus, he shares who he was. Okay, again, in this moment, He takes the opportunity to simply share his faith, and and, and this is how that goes. He shares who he was before he met Jesus, and then in the next section he shares how he came to faith in Jesus, and then he goes on and shares why he now lives the way he does because of his faith in Jesus. Okay, and he goes on and he shares, he's like, guys, I was one of you, I'm, I'm Jewish, this isn't like, and he goes on and he shares this whole this whole scenario and he says, like, I was zealous for the law and, and and as all of you are this day, verse four, I persecuted this way, again, I persecuted Christians, I persecuted people, even to the death, binding them and delivering to prison both men and women as the high priest and the whole council of the elders can bear me witness. He's, okay, he names names here and then he goes on and he talks with you. he says, listen, listen, if you don't believe my story, go and ask these people, go and ask the high priest, go and ask this guy, Ananias, go, like, he shares these people, he says, this is who I was. Again, given the opportunity, what would you share? He simply begins with, this is who I was before I met Jesus. Okay, he doesn't add to it. He doesn't take away from it. He doesn't try to, you know, church it up, or he doesn't try to doctor it up or add all these things in there. He just simply shares who he was before he met Jesus. Okay, I know that some of us in here even wonder, if given the opportunity, what would I even say? Okay, I'm believing this whole gospel, but where would I even start? And there are a lot of really helpful tools that you could use, right, that you could share. I know that, you know, there are different, different kind of college ministries or different backgrounds here re- represented, right? There's evangelism explosion for the way old school among us, okay? And, and, uh, and, and so we've got that, or, or, or you've got like the Knowing God Personally b- booklet or the R- Romans Road or, or the idea, right, that you earn the right to share your faith. And there's all these different really helpful tools of, you know, engaging people and sharing your faith, sharing the gospel and that can be really helpful but I don't want that to become a weight of like I don't know what I would do look at Paul, what he does he simply shares how God has worked in his life and he goes on and he, and he shares in this whole next section in verse 6 all the way through 16 this huge passage there which we, we already walked through in Acts chapter 9 which is basically how Jesus met Paul right where he was How Paul was going in one direction and God entered into his life and called him to himself and said, Paul, why, or Saul, before he changed his name to Paul, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Jesus saw and responded. He could do no other. Okay, sometimes we make it more than it really needs to be. Okay, again, where are you this morning? For those of us who perhaps are new to this whole Christianity or evaluating it or kinda saying, I don't know where I'm at, it's as simple as this. Perhaps even this morning, God, your creator, the heavenly father revealing himself to you and saying, come, be my child. Put your faith in Jesus, God the son, who loved you enough to lay his life down for you, to restore you, to reconcile you, to pay the penalty of sin, of, of treason, of walking away from God, not just as a legal exchange, but again, a, a, a loving heavenly Father pursuing you, demonstrating his love for you. Okay, I know some of us ask this question, how do I know God loves me? We're told in the book of Romans that God shows his love. That even while we're sinners, we're undeserving, we're wandering away, we're saying thanks but no thanks, God. He sent his son Jesus to die in our place so that through faith in him we can now be children of God, sons and daughters. There, There is this high lofty ideal, it's irresistible grace but again, it's not just some theological platitude that's like I don't even know what that means, how that informs. It's that God reveals himself so clearly that, that, that he woos you to himself. So that now you can do no other than to simply have your identity and your purpose shaped by him. And that's what Paul really simply shares here. I was going one direction, Jesus revealed himself to me, called me to him, And of course I did what I had to do. I responded to his incredible grace. I gave my life to him. And he shares that and then he goes on in this next section beginning in verse 17, he now shares why he's doing what he's doing, why he's saying what he's saying because of his faith in Jesus. He so pick up with me now in verse 17 as the, and again people are locked in, they're like wow that's beautiful. Okay. Again, I I hope that even some of us this morning are saying that I wanna, I wanna respond to that. I want that kind of relationship with Jesus. And then Paul goes on. Okay, he shared who he was before he met Christ, and then how he came to faith in Christ, and then. What's happened since putting his faith in Christ? And that's where we pick up in verse 17. When I had returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and I saw him, that's Jesus, saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. Okay, so this was earlier before he returned to Jerusalem. This is when he left the first time. And then this is Paul speaking, verse 19. And I said, Lord they themselves know that in one synagogue after another, I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. So he's, again, he's kind of, he's almost condemning these guys. Again, he's saying, surely they know I'm Jewish. Surely they know I'm one of them. Okay. This, my whole, my whole testimony has given proof to my religious zeal, right? But, but I met you, Jesus. I put my faith in you. I can do no other You know, of course they're going to believe. And Jesus says, well, I've got plans for you. They're not going to accept your testimony. And then look here in verse 21. And he, again, Jesus, said to me, this is Paul speaking, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. And again, think of religious people so committed to particular ideologies, so committed to particular belief systems, that in the end have no room left for God. That's what religion does. Okay, it, it puts God in our debt. It says, okay, God, we have this exchange right now. I do these things and you give me this in return. I get it all right and then you have to accept me. You have to, you have to um, give me what I want. This is how it works and this is religion. Again, this leads to blindness and, 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 and look what happens here so tragically. Don't miss how sad this is. Up to this point, they listened to him. Then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. They sat through Paul's entire testimony, and they didn't say anything. They weren't, compelled, they weren't angry. They heard this whole thing about Jesus knocking him off his horse and revealing himself to him and all this stuff and then speaking to him in a dream and you know, speaking to someone else, Ananias, and, and they heard all this stuff and they're like, okay, cool, cool, good. I can accept that. I can accept that. Boom, a trigger word came. In this case, it's Gentiles. Let me be abundantly clear what's going on here. They're, they're so enslaved to their religious ideologies, that have now been informed, infiltrated by racism, by nationalism, by legalism, that there's no room for God to rule and to lead. That again, they forgot that God's plan from the very beginning all the way back in Genesis, all the way back in Genesis chapter three, And then showing up again in Genesis chapter 12 and I don't have time to walk through the entire Old Testament is full of God having a plan to call a people who would be a light to the nations. That through them, the good news of God would be declared and that people would now wanna put their faith in him and then Jesus would come and they would wanna put their faith in him. And Paul's saying, guys, it's happening, just as God declared all the way from way back, right? As we've said, this seemingly new thing is actually really old. This is God's plan all along. Well, when religion has you so captured that you're now blind to even God's promises and they're enraged And they say, take this guy away. He needs to die. He shouldn't even be allowed to live. And this whole thing goes on and continues in this this ugly mess. And, and And it just, again, it sees that now God's story and his plans continue to unfold. But as we close, let's stay here in this place where we've seen Paul so captivated by Jesus that he's devoted, committed. To sharing his faith, to sharing the gospel creatively but uncompromisingly, boldly and clearly. And this is what Jesus had in store all along. In fact, even in John chapter 17, Jesus prays for reconciliation. He prays that his people would be one. He prays that people from different backgrounds, different languages, different ethnicities, different races, different political ideologies, and you see this all true, okay? This isn't just me trying to insert stuff right now, because and, and, I know some of us are going there, okay? You even see his followers, the disciples are made up of like the far right and the far left and all these people, and Jesus saying, no, 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 I'm the king. Okay, I don't even want to say it. he's the king, amen? And Jesus is saying, I'm bringing a kingdom, and you come and follow him. You put your faith in him, and you will be shaped and and, and led and compelled by who he is and by what he says. And Jesus prayed, Father, let these people be one, just as the Father and the Son are one. And Jesus doesn't just pray it and then stand off afar. He accomplishes it. He entered into brokenness. He crossed cultures. He reached out to the marginalized and the weak. And then he himself became weak, humbling himself even to the point of the cross. And then when he victoriously rose from the dead, he said, now you can be my people. You can be one. You can be restored. You can give your life to Christ and to who he is and to what he's done and what he's doing to his mission You can live all of life, all for Jesus. You can creatively and uncompromisingly and winsomely and boldly share of your faith in Jesus, regardless of the circumstance, whatever context you find you're in, you find yourself in. And so again, I just want to ask you, if you've never put your faith in Jesus, what would it look like? to be so grounded in him, to be so secured in him that you say, I can do no other. Here I stand. So help me God. I've seen, I've responded. He's good. He loves me. I still have a bunch of questions. But I believe. I respond. And then from there, for those who have put their faith in Jesus, what would it look like even when afraid even when uncertain even when in the middle of really clear tensions you simply live and display and proclaim the good news of Jesus creatively and boldly in all of life let's pray together as we prepare to respond Heavenly Father thank you Again, for your word, thank you for not shying away from tension. Thank you for showing us a picture in Paul of what it looks like to be so captivated by the gospel that we wrestle with the tensions. That we say, I don't want to compromise the gospel. I, I won't compromise the gospel. If anyone adds or takes away from the gospel, I, 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 will, I will stand up. I will declare it. I will resist it. I will, I will say that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through him. And yet to also be so, so, so captivated by you, so in love with you that we can do no other than to say, Lord, I want to share your, your work in my life. I want to share my story wherever I am, in different contexts, crossing cultures, in my classroom, in my, in my play groups, in my play dates, in my workplace, whatever I'm doing. Lord, I pray that we would be so captivated by you and your grace and your love, Lord, your gospel, that we would indeed live all of life in response to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.